Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. Okay, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Let me make sure. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So when we're I don't want to ruin Marilyn's shoe there. When we're talking about our our hearts and, and what kind of soil we have for our our hearts, we might say um, that I might fall into into one of these other two categories, like either the rocky ground or the thorny ground. We might uh, we might feel like we're a little bit of both. Sometimes sometimes we have an initial an initial joy in the message that we lose a little steam um, for quickly once, once we hear that message, but we lose a little steam afterwards. Sometimes we feel like uh, the worries of our lives choke out our joy. Uh, and not every analogy is, is completely perfect, but I think the main point that we get out of this parable is that different people respond to the word differently. Different people have different hearts towards the word of God. In verse 17, he says, And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Did you catch that? 
where he says, because of the word of God and the difficulties that come with following it, they fell away. Maybe I, maybe I don't actually want to follow through with that. Maybe I don't want to do that. They're saying whenever they hear that message, they don't really want to do anything with it, with that message. They might not bear any fruit, uh, as quickly as they would like to bear fruit or, or, or how, how they would like to bear fruit. And, 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 and because of that, they immediately, they decide, you know, maybe this just isn't for me. Maybe we feel like there are some thorns or worries that might pop up in our hearts and in our lives. We have, we have allowed that word to grow some deeper roots into our lives. It it has grown in, in, in our hearts and we've accepted it and we believe it, but sins enter in and choke, choke it out and make us unfruitful. This keeps us from doing the things that we believe and know that we should be doing when we hear the word of God. There's, there's many ways that we can respond to the word of God. So the same, the same parable is told in Luke 8. Jesus says that it's very important that we try to understand this in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter eight, starting in verse nine, it says, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing, they may not understand. And on a side note here, this Jesus is quoting Isaiah chapter six, verse nine, where he says, he says, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, so that they would know, so these guys that he's talking to, they would, they would have known he was teaching them with scripture that they were familiar with. In verse 18, it says, take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. And I think that this can be a difficult thing for us to accept that some people are not going to understand the parable in our lives. We, we see that Jesus is almost always telling things in parables that might be a little hard for some people to understand. Um, if this were today, we might say that's not a very effective way of teaching because some people will reject it immediately. It may bother us that they are not even going to listen. It's too hard for them to understand. Um, if we look back to Mark, we see, we'll see, he says something uh, similar in verse 11 and 12. He says, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And when I read these verses, it makes me wonder. You know, it's, it's almost, it almost seems like he doesn't want some people to understand. You know, that's, that, that could be a way that we read it. It seems like their hearts are hard, and maybe he's the one who is hardening the hearts. But we've read verses like John 3.16 that say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We know God 
is is not a respecter of persons that he does not show per, he does not show partiality so this is difficult why is it that he's putting so much emphasis on the way that we listen the way that we hear the way that we receive the word of god so let's talk about the soil we've just read about <clears throat> how is it that that we receive the word of god we definitely don't want to be those who are unable to understand the message that's being taught here. We don't want to be on that side. On the surface level, I think it's pretty simple, but I think that there's there's something deeper that we can get out of this. So let's look at this idea that maybe, maybe if we're listening to the Word of God, uh, we can be those who become thorny. Uh, we can have things in our lives that block out the the way that we hear the Word. Um, how does the word affect our hearts and how is it that I have received and will receive the word of God? How does my daily Bible reading affect me uh, in my life? What we have to realize is that the word of God can soften and the word of God can harden. Let's address, let's address who does the softening, softening and, and or hardening. In Acts chapter 7, we have the account of Stephen being stoned. We see the members of the Sanhedrin reacting angrily against the word of God. It says, starting in verse 54, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And that's one way to react to the word of God, right? These men... They seem almost childish. The way that I, I think about this one in this scene is that they, they plug their ears almost. It's like, they're, ah, la, 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 you know, when you don't want to. Yeah, I start singing the national anthem. Oh, when you don't want to hear something. Uh, and ultimately, they kill Stephen because of this reaction to the word. They, don't, they didn't want to listen to what he had to say. They rejected it, even though they heard it. In the New King James Version, it says that they were cut to the heart. They knew that he was preaching to them. He knew that the message applied to them and they felt convicted by that. They felt like you're saying, you know, that we are guilty. You're saying that we need to make a change. Uh, and this is the way that they chose to react. Um, they chose to get angry, right? They chose to say, um, who are you to tell me what to do? They got angry and they decided to stone him. And that's a very negative, obviously, that's a very negative way that you can react to the word of God. That's a very negative way that whenever, whenever you're cut to the heart or convicted by a message, that you could react to that message. Let's look at the opposite kind of reaction. Uh, earlier in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we go on to read that they accepted this message gladly. And 3,000 souls were baptized and saved that day. And here's a very different way of reacting to the word of God. It's the exact opposite as, as what happened in Acts chapter 7. Peter is preaching to these people. And he says... 
he says that they were guilty of crucifying Jesus. They are cut to the heart, but they have a very different reaction. They actually change their lives. They repent. They had soft hearts. Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about what the Word of God can do in our lives, uh, even to our very souls. It conjures up images of a hardened and calloused heart that is being peeled away like an onion. That's that's the way it kind of seems to me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's like, it's like the word of God is a knife or a chisel, able to chip away a hardened heart. It is a sword that can convict us. We can be cut to the heart by it, by the word. The word of God has a certain dividing nature to it. It divides the divisions of soul and spirit. It's able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our heart. It's able to lay bare everything, and God is able to see exactly what it what is going on in our hearts. He knows what we're thinking, and He knows what's in our heart whenever we hear His Word. How, how we react to that depends on the effect that the Word has on our hearts. In verse 13, it says, and no creature No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows exactly what's going on in our hearts. And eventually, we're going to have to give give an account for the way that we responded to his message and to his word. I think it's vital that we try and understand the importance of doing that the right way. A chapter earlier... In Hebrews chapter uh, 3, kind of came out weird, you'll see the context of this verse, okay? There were people who were disobeying and God is trying to to get them to enter into his rest. But when when they hear the word of God, they don't react positively. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be anyone, any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We see here that that there are people who don't want to listen uh, to the word of God, even though they were in the wilderness uh, and, and they could almost physically and tangibly see what God was doing. Uh, he was telling them directly of how they should respond and, and what they should do. But they were stubborn and they hardened their hearts and they didn't respond to the way that they were instructed to respond. It's easy for us to to look at the people here and say, those silly, what silly people, you know? If I saw a pillar of fire leading me and I saw the Red Sea split, uh, I definitely would have listened to God. You know, it's, it's easy for us to say that. But what is it that you think that we do whenever we read 
these words and then don't change the way that we act. The way our hearts can be hardened is the same way that their hearts were hardened. It's very easy to, 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 to separate it, but we, we are doing the same thing when we, when we don't change. So who is it then that hardens hearts? Is it us or is it God? And when you're reading these passages and Jesus says, lest they, lest they we read it early, lest they uh, should turn and be forgiven, it almost comes across like, like he doesn't want them to understand. It almost seems like he doesn't want them to get what he's saying there. But we have to realize that we are the ones who make a choice how we respond to God. And that's what hardens or softens our hearts. Our choices of how we respond to the word of God depends on whether our hearts are hardened or not. If we ask the question of whether it is God who's doing it or is it me who's doing the hardening, uh, I think it goes both ways. Uh, when God tells us something and our response to it is, is no, I don't want to do that, then we could improperly say, incorrectly say, God is the one who gave us the message, so he's hardening our hearts. But it goes both ways. We have to accept the responsibility of listening to the word of God, but we can't blame him for the way that we respond to his word. Think about uh, Pharaoh and how many chances God gave him to change his mind. Uh, we see several places where it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart, and we see several places where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. <laughs> so both are true, right? The Bible says that in Exodus. When the word of God hit Pharaoh's heart, there was a hardening that happened. Um, that's a direct result of God's word, and it's a direct result of how he responded to God's word. How many chances does God give us before our hearts are hardened? This is usually a slow process, and it's based on the way that we respond to his word and the, and the choices that we make. Uh, James chapter 1 here says, in starting in verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then down in verse 21, it says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So we have two different ways in which we could and can respond to, to his word. And in Hebrews chapter 4 uh, that we read in verse 11, he said that he didn't want them to fall to the same sort of disobedience uh, as the people who were wandering around in the wilderness. It was the deceitfulness of sin that hardened their hearts. What we have to realize is that when we choose to respond negatively to the word of God and we commit sin, that is in fact what is hardening our hearts. It's the choice that we make that hardens our hearts. We're told in James uh, 1 here, verse 21, that if we receive the word with meekness, it is able to save our souls. The word is able to change us and to mold us into the people that we need to be. And then going on in verse uh, 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. We talked about this at the dinner table. For, <coughs> for he looks at himself and goes away and once and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed <coughs> Excuse me, in his doing. So let's apply this to, to our lives. We, we all know that, uh, that we need to do the will of God um, and that he wants us to obey him. But if we, like in the parable of the sower, if, if, if we receive the word with joy, we enjoy hearing the word of God, but we continually never actually do the things that are in it, uh, we're like the person who hears the word, is convicted by the message, and know they need to change. But as soon as they leave the church building or, or the gathering where the message was presented, uh, they go off into the world and, and stop reading their Bible or, or stop, you know, stops hearing the word of God. This person forgets to do anything about what they need to do to change. This person forgets what his natural face looks like in the mirror, as it says here. And it's not going to be blessed in his doing. The person who actually makes the change, actually makes changes in his life is blessed. What happens to my heart if I feel convicted? If I hear, the, what happens to my heart if I hear the word, I feel convicted and then do nothing? What happens if I get used to, to doing that over and over again? It becomes easier and easier to do the same thing. Right. If you get used to being convicted um, and then doing nothing, it's very easy to do it the next time and the next time and the next time. Paul talks about this in uh, in First Timothy uh, chapter four, verse two. He says that you're he says that you can have your conscience seared like like with a hot iron, almost as if with a hot iron. You can get to the point where your heart and your conscience are no longer affected by the sins that you commit. We definitely don't want to end up in this state. What is it that happens when our heart becomes hardened by the deceitful nature of sin? In Revelation chapter 3, Dad taught an excellent series in Revelation. Did you go to Laodicea? The, the, yeah. So in, in, in chapter 3, we have the account of the church uh, of Laodicea. Uh, we see what happens when the word no longer affects hearts. If you have hardened your heart, if you've become callous, to his word, if you get used to hearing it, but never doing anything about it, this is what we are in danger of becoming. Sorry if that's a little small, but tried to fit it all in one page. Uh, I know your works. Starting in verse 15, it says, I know your works. You are neither hot or neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we see an emphasis on on what? Hearing and making sure that we hear the message that he says to the church. Um, He who has an ear, let him hear, right? If we respond to his word in in the proper way, um, we're told that we will conquer. It says here that we will conquer and that we'll sit with him. But we also have an example of a person that becomes content, just getting along, not really doing anything. This person is described as being unpleasant to God, to say the least, right? It says, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. Some versions say, vomit you out of my mouth. This is a nasty reaction to this type of person. I wonder if this is the most dangerous state a Christian can be in. I, if we have if we have our hearts hardened and are used to being convicted by the word, but are no longer feeling the effects of it, um, all my needs are you know all my needs feel met and I feel satisfied. If that satisfaction goes away, there's always a Walmart down the road, right <laughs> here in America. Those of us who have been Christians um, for a long time are used to hearing the word. Of God, and, and we've 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 heard hundreds. I've heard hundreds of great messages. Sometimes it can become difficult to feel convicted by those things, or to remain convicted about what we hear. Many times we see young Christians who have come out of the world and a really bad past, and maybe they've maybe they've hit hit rock bottom, and they and they react to the message with great energy. They know what they came out of. And they know what they're getting when they become a Christian. They, they no longer want to be that way. But as we become Christians who have been in the church for a long time, it's, it's easy for us to, to become accustomed to, to that. It's very easy for us to lose a little bit of that fervor and that zeal that he talks about. That you, it, this fervor and zeal that you, that you have when you first obeyed the gospel. Some of that is completely natural. Uh, life is, is, has its ebbs and flows, sure. We all have our ups and downs, right? But if we've lost it completely and we've begun to think that we're doing, that we're doing all right on our own um, and that we don't need God too much anymore, he says here, he says right here, he says that we don't realize that we are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So Jesus counsels them to uh, that they should should buy from him gold refined by fire, and and that we should recognize the state that we're actually in, uh, just how much we need God, and that we need to depend on God. Gold refined by fire may give us the visual of trials um, that we're we're told that we have to go through, and that it's going to be a difficult and maybe even a painful process. Jesus says he reproves and disciplines those he loves. And, and nobody jumps, I don't jump up and down uh, saying, yay, I get to be disciplined. You know, I, I, I'm not a big, I, but he says that that's what, what happens. And th- this is the effect that the word of God is supposed to have on our hearts. It, it's supposed to cut us. It is. It's supposed to, to make us recognize our need for Jesus. And then we actually have to be zealous and we have to repent and we have to change. 
we actually have to follow follow through. That's what he's saying. The stu- the study of, of, of who hardens hearts really comes down to an understanding of the message God gives us through his word and how as how and how we as people choose to react to it. Let's let's pray that we soften our hearts to his message and that we choose to become actively involved in his church more and more every day. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, and in verse 12, it says about his word being sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, but I'd like to end in a passage right after that, at the end of Hebrews chapter 4, starting here in verse 14, says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If we ever start to wonder if we have lost zeal for the Lord, or, or start to wonder if our hearts are hardened, this reminds us right here, that our Creator came here and He experienced every single emotion that we will ever experience. He knows us and He loves us and He wants us to hear, understand, and act upon His message that we find in the Word of God. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.